we've been talking about our identity in Christ, right? And um, we, uh, the first week that we were here um, talking about this, we were, we were talking about how um, our identity is in Christ. <laughs> and that, that we're born spiritually. When we are born spiritually, we are born with a new identity, right? That, that identity is something that you are given. It is not something that you can acquire. Have you ever thought of that? You know, you know, the simple fact that you're made means that who you are has already been decided by somebody else. Now, if it were true that you somehow could make yourself or develop from nothing, which I don't know how that would work, but then perhaps you could sort of decide your own identity of who you are. But the way God's designed it is that you are born and 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 the day you were born, you have been created in the image of God. David said he knit me together in my mother's womb. That God actually knits you together. And he dreams about you before time ever be- began. And, and, he, and he said, someday there's going to be a Ted Smith. And, and, I, and, I've, and I've put in him, uh, I've actually put in him certain gifts. And, uh, and, and he thinks a certain way. And he'll be passionate about certain aspects of me and and I and I love that about him and and uh, and anybody who has kids knows that that you know a, you know nurture and nature they talk about right and there are some things that you nurture in your child right values but a lot of who they are really as a parent is that healthy parenting really is that a lot of who they are is when you realize that your children have been entrusted to you by God. They're actually more gods than they are yours. And, and, and so, so, and in that place then, it's not really my, it's not really my role to be a cookie, like a cookie maker where I cookie cut out exact replicas. How many have ever tried? It doesn't work anyway. And, 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 but, but largely you, you are actually on a discovery to find out who it is that God has made your child. So that you can nurture that nature. And so every child, even though you have the same parents, is going to be so unique. And there are going to be certain aspects that you're going to meet them and you're going to go, I can totally see that you're a rice. Or that you're a wood. Or that, you know, that you're a Franceschini. And you just look at the Franceschinis and you know they're all Franceschinis. But, but like, but, uh. And, but you, you understand, there, there are things you can recognize right away, things you're born with. And, and so, but, and, and, and it's the same way with our identity in Christ, that when you're born again, you're actually born spiritually a new creation. And so the journey is looking at your father and learning who you are. It's amazing. And that's another thing we talked about, about how fathers give identity and how identity includes purpose. So when you know who you are, you become secure and then you begin to discover your purpose. And a lot of your purpose has to do with what, when, you know, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. Not only does he fulfill your desires, but when you delight yourself in the Lord, you begin to desire the things you were born to desire. And it's in the fulfillment of those desires that your life overflows with abundant joy and peace and everything that God has designed you to be. And so the truth is, is that God is a father of all, desires to have 
happy children. Who knew? Like, you know, there was like a tone growing up sometimes where, you know, people were like, you know, it's like God's going to call you to do the thing that you just despise the most. And then you're going to just prove your love by God by being miserable and doing what he wants. You know, but it's the exact opposite of who the father is. The father, he he's 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 so joyful. He's not grumpy at all. And I don't even think we've ever seen joy until, oh gosh, can you imagine what it's going to be like to behold him? It says about Jesus that he was anointed with the oil of joy above his companions. So grumpy Jesus was not grumpy Jesus. Jesus, that scripture says, what it's saying is Jesus was happier than everybody else. When you spot a crowd, uh, unless they were like, you know, making a business out of worship. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like making anyway, you did kick over a few tables. But but like for the most part, when when Jesus was with people, what I believe is that when you saw him eating with tax collectors and sinners and and righteous and ev- everybody, you could look in that crowd and there was nobody more joyful than Jesus. And I think it's one of the reasons why everybody wanted to be around him. Because You'd never encountered identity like that. Do you know when you get around somebody who has a solid identity, there's something attractive about it? Isn't there? Because some inside of you says, what do you know? I want some of that. And I was born to have that. And, you, and so you're drawn to it. So I, I just imagine, imagine being around Jesus. So secure, so full of joy, so full of love. Didn't ever have to defend himself. Amazing. So we're talking about identity. And identity includes purpose. Basically, part of our identity, we're created to know and reveal God. If you really want to simplify life, it really is this, to know Him and make Him known. And, and, uh, and so we behold Him, we, become, we find out who we are, we become like Him. And then because of that, we shine as lights in the world. Amen. And today, what I want to talk about, and I was excited about this day, not, not because it's profound, because actually what I have to share today is pretty much so simple, but it is such a game changer, at least it's been for me in my life. And because we talk about our identity in Christ, right? And, 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 and I know that we're transformed by revelation, but I know like a lot of us, you know, like Fenton's word, like, but what did it look like? <laughs> What did it look like when you did it? You know what I mean? And so, and so we get stirred up, but then you wonder, but what's it like to walk out? What does that journey look like? If I want to go further in that journey and I want to walk out my identity in God, how do I do it? What's it look like? What will help me? What do I need to know? What will help me do that? And what are some things that might try to distract me, hinder me? Man, well, let's talk about it. All right, so Jeremiah 15, verse 19. And this is the, and then the Lord's speaking to Jeremiah here. And he says, therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you, Jeremiah, um, return, I will restore you. And you will stand in my presence. And if you speak 
noble words. Some of your Bibles might say, if you extract the precious from the worthless, which I actually love that translation as well, when you understand what he's saying. And if you, if you speak noble words rather than worthless ones, you will be my spokesman. It is they who must return to you. You must not return to them. Powerful. <laughs> it's such a big difference. And so for context, I think it's important to say what's happening here with Jeremiah specifically. I think it's, under, it's, it's important to understand what God was saying to Jeremiah and why before we can apply the principle really to this journey that we're talking about. But it is, it, this principle does apply. What, what the Lord was saying to Jeremiah was, I've called you as a prophet, if you back it up. Because he goes on here to say, um, I've made you a fortified wall of bronze, this people. Even if they fight against you, they'll never overcome you, for I'm with you to save you and deliver you. And he was telling him, basically, I've sent you as a prophet. Say what I told you to say, and don't worry if they like it. And, and remember, this is Old Testament prophets. There's a difference between the function of an Old Testament prophet and in the New Covenant. Remember, because... The, the change is that, without getting into it, but it says in times past, God spoke in various ways, right? He spoke to the prophets. He spoke. But in these times, he speaks to us in his son. So since the revelation of God through the son, Jesus Christ, there's a shift. But as a prophet, Jeremiah was sent to Israel and he had a word. And actually, it was a strong word. And God was encouraging Jeremiah to say, and he was saying, Jeremiah don't return to them. In other words, what he was saying was, don't change, Jeremiah. Don't you change. And don't you alter the word that I gave to you to try to make them more comfortable or likely in that case, it would actually be to make yourself more comfortable. Because how many know being light means you stand out? Right? You ever come in and like, like I was you know, we got up kind of in the morning on the weekend and I'm like, I start opening the, the window and the daylight comes in and I'm like, oh, let the daylight in. I, I love it, you know, and Chelsea's like, not yet, you know. But how many know, like when the, when the bright light comes in, sometimes it's a little bit like, you know, like it, it impacts you, you know. And, and sometimes we feel that as lights in the world. How many have ever experienced that, you know? And it's amazing how... Uh, what kinds of things stir that up, like in the workplace, you know, like sometimes simply just not laughing at something that everybody else is laughing at. Not because you're religious, just because it's not funny. When you know, when you, when you're, when you know God, you know, it's like, you know, and you're like, oh, I get, it. and you're, you're not judgmental. You just, but it's amazing how silence is so loud sometimes. That simple thing of like, where, where everybody feels in a moment, you're different than us. That can be an uncomfortable situation if we're not secure in our identity. Yea, God. Amen? So he says, return to me. Basically, stand, stay, stand in my presence. Don't return to them. Don't change for them. That's what he's saying. Let them return to you. Let them adjust to who I have made you to be. And this is what will happen. You realize there is such a thing as a high calling. Right? And so, so when you, you come into the kingdom and you're born, and then God leads us 
on from there. And it's a journey. And so sometimes what happens is, different times in life, we kind of, it, it happens, it's, probably, it's probably happened to all of us, you kind of have seasons where you've been more hungry at other times than others, right? I don't know, I don't actually think that's really by design, I just think it happens sometimes. And God has a way of stirring us up, you know? And, I, and, I've said, and I've said to the Lord, Lord, if there's a way that I can be stirred up just by being face-to-face with you so that circumstances don't have to do it, that'd be way better. And, uh, and, uh, and so, amen? <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're like, my hunger is stirred up by desperate need, you know? It's like, not my preferred approach, if I can avoid that. And, um, and, uh, and so, anyway, so... So what will happen is when God begins to stir your hunger and your love begins to burn bright, brighter and brighter, what happens is sometimes even in Christian community, you, it creates discomfort. It's the truth. Have you ever felt this uh, uncomfortable by someone else's hunger? I have. I totally have. I've been convicted by other people's hunger. You know, it's first it's a little bit like, that's uncomfortable. And then you realize, I'm convicted that you are more in love than me. I think. And it's so like, it stirs me up, you know. But if you're humble, if you can take that step and just instead of being offended, just be humble and embrace that discomfort. I'm like, if I'm uncomfortable, maybe it's because I need to be. If I'm uncomfortable by your bright light, then maybe this is exactly what I need. And I can and I can I can dismiss it and I can label you and I can call it your personality and I can make all kinds of excuses about that to, to protect my comfort, but the fact is I'm not called to comfort. That's why we've been given a comforter. And, and we, we do, we're creatures, you know, we call them creature comforts, right? We're, we're creatures of comfort, we love comfort, we do, we, I, we all do, right? We love it, right? I love a cup of tea in the morning, like, it's a creature comfort, like, is it a need? No, I love it. And, and we, we find comfort in so many things, in our routines, in our way of life, and things like that. But I was listening to a, a guy yesterday on the send, and he was this YWAM, I think he's the, the leader of the Kona um, uh, base. And he was saying how he was in one form of ministry and how God and, and, um, and God came to him through somebody else and said, you're in a faithfulness rut. And he, and he realized like, oh, and, and he was like, and so God was calling him to, sh- and he was in a, you know, everything was awesome. It was working well, it was comfortable, but God was calling him on to something else. And, and then they had a drastic life change and they went and followed God and the missions and, and there, and, and went into YWAM and the whole bit. And so God will stir us up. But what will happen sometimes is that when we begin to walk that out, you know, you know what? We encounter sometimes, I don't want to, maybe resistance is too, too much of a word, but sometimes we experience that the people we would think would be celebrating our new freedom and our new passion and our new our newness with God. I mean, if His mercy is new every day, then we get to be new every day with Him. And 
And you know, the people that you would expect would be doing backflips and celebrating you, sometimes you're surprised at where you encounter the rub. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's not because they're evil or they don't love God or anything. You know what it is? It's because as humans, we look for comfort and we find it in the wrong place sometimes. And so I'm like, I'm like, I know Bill, Bill's this, you know, and then I got a spot for Bill in my life. This is Bill. This is what Bill does. This is what Bill likes. And Bill lives here. And this is what he does. And then all of a sudden, Bill's like, man, God's been working in my heart and I get a passion for missions. And I'm like, Bill, that does not fit in my bill box. Like, I got you. I got you right here. And you're kind of making me uncomfortable right now because now I have to adjust my view of you. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? You guys know what I'm talking about? And so, like, you go away, like maybe you go to YWAM or you go, you do something radical and then you come home to visit your family for Christmas and you're like, guys, let me tell you what, God, I'm so hungry. God's been stirring him. I feel like, God, he's waking me up. I'm in love again. I'm in love. I thought I was, but I realize now I am. I'm in love. And, and, and they're kind of like, uh. but you know, your family sometimes still knows you as like 12 year old Daniel. Do you know, or like 16 year old Daniel. You ever notice that about your family? Yeah, not everybody's family, but, but we do that in family. Like we're like, we're like, I don't know, at some point, you were 16, and I was like, that's Daniel. I'm going to relate to him as 16-year-old Daniel for the rest of his life. And he's like, at some point, he's like, you know, i got kids of my own. I mean, I'm a grown man. I'm a father. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Pretty soon, they got 16-year-olds, and your family still deals with you like you're 16. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what they think you're capable of, and, and how responsible they think you are, and you know what I'm saying? And we do this. We, we put people in boxes without even realizing it because it makes us comfortable. And, but when we decide nobody puts me into a box, when Dave was singing like, we let you out of the box, I put you in, I, I realized, I was like, I was like, you know, we think we put God in a box and we do in our mind. But I was thinking, you know, when you put God in a box, you actually put yourself in a box. God's still everywhere. And he doesn't stop doing anything. It's just that you're not doing it with him. That's the only difference. The Lord's like, I'm doing this thing. Who's with me? It's not whether I'm doing it or not. It's like, who's with me? Who's going to do it with me? You know what I'm saying? God's always moving on the planet somewhere. And so, and so we don't want to put him in a box. And we don't want to put other people in a box. But what we're talking about today is, how do I live free of any box that someone else might have for me? So that's one of my points. And... And, uh, and, I, and I want to tell you, you know what's amazing? Jesus encountered it. Let's look at Mark 6. How many know if the perfect Son of God encountered it, there's a good chance that imperfect us might encounter it as well? Right? <laughs> I mean, does it, that, yeah. Amen. So here we go. Chapter 6, I'm going to read the first six verses here. He went away from there and came to his hometown, this is Jesus, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. This is what they said. Where did this man get these things? They said, What is this wisdom given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, 
and the brother of James, jo- uh, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. <laughs> Jesus knew who he was. And there's good evidence that he always did. Like, I think when Jesus was a toddler, he knew. I mean, he's 12 years old. He's like, did you know I'd be about my father's business? Why were you worried about me? And um, he knew he was God's son. He knew who he was. And But what was going on here is that they, they, there were people, his family, his friends, the people in his hometown, had a box for Jesus. And they knew him only by human circumstances, by natural means. And they had the most minimizing viewpoint of him possible. Notice this? Wait, you're the carpenter. Carpenters don't have... I mean, you know what I'm saying? First of all, they're making all these assumptions in the first place. Why can't a carpenter have wisdom? You know, but, but they're like, you're a carpenter. Wait, we know all your brothers. You're not great. You can't be great. Where did you get these things? Where did you get this wisdom? What's amazing is, and I, and, and I won't, actually I'm not going to read Matthew because it's the, same, it's the same exact like word for word. But the interesting thing is, if you read before those two instances, one, one, of, these, one of these accounts puts it, it, so in other words, in Mark 6 here, Jesus had just raised the dead. He just raised the dead. And then they're like, what's it? it's amazing, but they're, they're, we can, oh man, it's deceptive. Do you know what I'm saying? When, when, when we don't have the right view of one another, when, we, when, we, when pride in our heart doesn't allow other people to be great. You ever notice that sometimes we root for people when they're the underdog, but then that, that same person becomes great, we start trying to find things that are wrong with them? What is that thing? And, but here's the thing. If you, if you want to live out the greatness that God has called you to live out, because you're called to be great. Your father's great, so you're great. One of the keys is to live unoffended by these things that you encounter. And so what God didn't say to Jeremiah was, Jeremiah... When you show up and you do what I've called you to do and you live out who it is I said that that you are, when you're living out your identity, he says, he doesn't say, listen, tell them why they need to listen to you. Explain to them why you're awesome. Tell them all the things I've said. Do you know what I'm saying? No, he doesn't say it. He just says, don't change for them. Don't change for them. Don't be offended, but don't stop. Just shine, just shine, just shine. And I love this word. This is something the Lord really imparted into my life. And he basically says, here's a great way to say it. Ready? Walking out your identity in God. Because you are called to go from glory to glory to glory. Who you are today is not who you're going to be in three years. Yes, amen. It's a good word. Who I am today is not who I am going to be in three years, who I was three years ago is not who I am today. That is the truth. And in three years, B, 
Because I want to keep beholding Him and I want to keep walking it out. And, 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 and you're growing. We have not arrived. This whole life, we will never arrive. Right? We will never arrive. Like, in this life, we get to continue on. And so what that means is, living unoffended and unhindered by the perceived opinions of others. And that's an important, that's an important word, perceived. Because sometimes we think it's judgment, but it's just a little bit of our own insecurity getting worked out. And really that person, you don't know what's on the inside of a person. Only God does. God knows even better than we do. They do. And so, and so our perceived, like what we think other people are responding to, it just doesn't matter. You don't even have to sort it out. Like, do you like me? Do you believe in me? Do you? No, no, it's fine. Besides, God's going to give you people that you know are with you. And those are the people. Just run with them. Enjoy them. Run with them. And everyone else... I'm not saying don't take feedback. Don't take, but I am saying let them adjust. And I've realized that. And you can see it. And what, what I've noticed is when you get down in the ditch and you start wrestling it out, it just goes downhill. But when you stand back, when you, when, when you kind of go, yeah, there's something new. You go home, you visit your family. It's a great analogy, right? You've been away on the mission field. You come back, you've seen miracles, whatever. And now you're like, I'm alive, I'm alive. And it makes your family all like, who are you now? Like, you've been away for three years and now you're so different. And I, it's just, and, and sometimes you know what it is? Even, the, even your own family can be offended a little bit about who is this? How do you get this wisdom? How can you have miracles? How can you see so many people come to the Lord? Like, you worked at a grocery store. You know, like, you know, and, and you're like, but God is God. And, and so what we do in that moment is go, you know what I like to realize in that moment? Oh, the light is shining. Your eyes will adjust. I know it's bright at first, but it's okay. And, and it allows us to have grace for people who are adjusting, because you know what? They, they, they might, we might need to have the same grace. Like, they might need to have the same grace at some point given to them. Ultimately, we are called to be a community who makes room for the greatness of one another. And, and so when we know one another by the Spirit, when we're all living out our identity, going from glory to glory in God, what we actually need, first of all, we don't need it. Because no one can hinder who God has called you to be. No one can shut a door for you that God has decided to open. God said to me one time when I was really wrestling through some stuff. And, and I was like, oh, I was feeling like, am I stuck? You know, like, oh, just really wrestling for a season with God. Got these like, passion and, and I'm like, man, God, I know what you've said. And I just feel, you know, and, and the enemy will come and say, that person doesn't see you for who you are. They, they don't know you for you. They, they're, you know, and you can start believing that your destiny is in the hands of people who have positions that you think is supposed to give you something. And God said to me, and I remember repeating it to a friend when I was down in Mexico. And, and, I, and he was, I could tell he was kind of going, I was like, let me tell you what God just told me a little while ago. He said, Brandon, if you believe 
that your destiny is in the hands of men, then it will seem that way. Your life will seem that way. (laughs) But if you remember that your life is in my hands, then that is how it will be. No one can shut a door for you. No one can keep something from you that I have for you. You keep your eyes on me. I open doors. I make you who you are. And and I will lead you. And, And when you remember that, it's like, it's crazy because... The person that you think, the person that you think doesn't see you in one minute, all of a sudden they become your champion. And they're, they're like, they're like, they're, because God is the one who opens the doors. And our goal, our, our, our journey is, I'm going to believe what you say about me. I'm going to live that out. And I'm going to let others adjust. And we can, and then on a side note, we can make it easier for one another when I live expecting that the golden Maggie is going to just be on display more and more and more and more as time goes on. Can we just make that agreement about each other? You know what I'm saying? What I love about that is that we realize that we're humans. That none of us are manifesting perfection yet, you know? And um, it was crazy. We were just talking. We were talking. Bill and Terry... We were just talking with them recently and we were talking about the anointing and how the anointing is the difference on people's lives. And I was like, it's funny how people are so normal, but but so not at the same time. Like the the anointing is the difference on our life. And when you, you can know you can know some of the most anointed people on the planet when you know them really well, you know, you're going to find out they're human like me. They're human like me. And then you've got two choices. In that moment, one, you really have an opportunity to honor them because they're imperfect, but the touch of God is on their life and honor God, or you've got a reason to discount them, downplay them and write them off. I'm not accountable anymore for what I see on your life because it's actually not that great. I saw your fault. Oh. And, and, and actually, that is so scary. Because when I, but, and, and we believe these lies. We have these insecurities that work against us. And they are this. Here's a few of them, okay? That that one person's success is a threat to my own. Do you realize there is unlimited room for unlimited success. It's truth. But when we when you see somebody do something great or walk in something that's really on your heart, there's a lie that comes in and goes, Oh, they're doing it. Now there's less room for me. As if that was the only portion. So that's a lie. The truth is there's unlimited amount of greatness available and there is unlimited room for greatness. Do you know the universe is actually still expanding? What's making room for the universe? I don't know how that works, but science has proven it. The universe is expanding. Well, the universe is going to run out of room. No, I don't think that can happen either. I don't know how it works. But no one's ever flown a spaceship and was like, I found the end of space. It says something about God in his room. There's unlimited room in God. 
<laughs> Here's another great truth. Your gift, that's a part of your identity, the Bible says that your gift makes room. And so when, when we're not secure in our identity in God, when we become threatened by other people's breakthrough, instead of encouraged, what's supposed to happen, right, is that, that I see God do something in, in Russ's life, and, and then I go, thank you, God, that's amazing. I love that you do that, and then I'm celebrating that. And what that does is it gives me more faith and hope for what he's doing in my life. But when the enemy comes in and he gets to our ear, he's like, oh, he used up your space. No room for you now. And now I'm jealous. And I and then the tall, the tall poppy syndrome comes in. And there's this thing that starts working in me where I want to cut Russ down just a couple of notches. You know what? I want you to be great, but not too great. You know what I'm saying? And, and who gives me or you the right to decide how great somebody can be? We cannot judge the servant of another. God. God gets to decide. All right. Yay, God. So here's a good word. Celebrating the greatness of others actually releases grace on us. And running together increases us. One of the things that I try to do in my life is when I feel that jealousy try to get on me. You know what I find kills it? When I champion that person to other people. You know what I love about so-and-so? They are so anointed. Man, I love this and I love that. And I just start celebrating them. And I'm like, kick the deceit. Like that little deceiver. You know, he wants to like get into your life and start getting you grumbling and and insecure. And I'm like, no, I'm going to celebrate who they are. And and that's cool. It's like the minute I do it, I'm like, oh, I felt that. But then I'm like, then you just keep going, and pretty soon you're like, I actually do love that person. They are so awesome. I want to go find them and give them a hug right now. You know? <laughs> yeah. All right. In closing, let me make sure I didn't miss anything. Don't return to them, but let them return to you. The fear of man will attempt, uh, will tempt you to dim your light and live lower for the comfort of others. Remember this. It actually isn't the comfort of others. Usually it's our own comfort. You know, like you, you let the light shine and you feel somebody kind of, you kind of feel somebody go like, you don't have to be so excited. You know, calm down a little. We all know God. By the way, aren't you a carpenter? You know, I know all your family. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, and, and so... And, and what happens is when we feel that, we're like, oh, oh. it's like you want to defend yourself or you want to, you, you, there's all these options you have, but the best way is to let it just flow right off you, be humble, smile, and just be like, yay, God, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. You're not offended at me. It's not personal. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But I'm just going to be me. And if we all do that, it's so good for one another. Because you know what? It helps us to live in humility. And you know what's amazing is that pride is a response to a lack of identity. Pride puffs itself up and says, hey, I'm awesome. Have I told you how awesome I am? 
or I don't need that. I don't need to receive prayer. I don't need, you know, I don't need a word. I don't need whatever. I don't need. But what pride is, is covering up actually, it, it looks strong, but it's weak. And humility, humble confidence in who God has made me to be, can seem like the weak way to the world, but it is the strongest place to live. And so walking out your identity, what does it take? It takes, it takes humility. It takes remembering that, Lord, you're the one who decides who I am. You're my source. You tell me who I am. And I don't need permission to be that. Because you've made me this way. And that allows me to live it out with love and humility toward other people. Would you stand? I was really inspired by a young man. He was dating a young a young lady and I was he was meeting with me and and getting some he was just staying accountable is all it was. He was looking to bring some strength into his life. He wanted to make sure that he did his... He, he really thought that he wanted to marry this young lady possibly and he wanted to do the journey well. And, um, you know, and he had a plan for both of them to maintain their purity and to um, not cross any appropriate... any lines that were inappropriate physically or in any other way before marriage, you know. Um, and so obviously they didn't want to have sex outside of marriage, that's a given, but, um, but, you know, without standing before God and the company of others and making a vow, that's the context of where, that's God's design for that intimacy to take place, and, and, um, and so, but his plan was way bigger than that, and, and he said, you know, and so he said, how are we going to make sure that happens? And he said something that I was like, that is so wise. I'm going to remember it forever. And he said, what we've decided is, so they were trying to figure out what's okay. Can we hold hands? Yeah, we both feel good about holding hands. And I know for some people, you're like, that's ridiculous. And you're like, oh, you don't, you'd be surprised what isn't obvious. And, you know, and you're like, well, we ended up in this boat. And you're like, yeah, it's because those conversations sounded ridiculous, but they probably weren't. And, um, and, and so he was like, well, can we hold hands? You know, do we kiss? Do we hug? Do we... You know, whatever. And he said, but what we decided was, is that when we, t- when we talked about something, whoever had the higher standard, we were going to go with that one. I know, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, that was, that's God's wisdom. I'm going to remember that. And I found, you know, this, it applies really to so many aspects of our life. Because if Dave and I are friends... And there's a liberty that the Lord has given me in my life. I'm not talking about, you understand, liberties, right? Some things are clearly wrong. But there are other liberties in life, like whether you have a beer or not, or whether you, you know, whatever. Yeah. Things that aren't sins, but you, it's your journey with God. And, and, and so, if I, you know, if I had a high value, if I had a value for something, or a conviction, rather, and Dave's like, well, I'm, I'm free in that, and God's, you know, I... Me and God are super close, and this is a part of, of my walk, and that's fine. What happens is, if I ask 
is if out of our friendship, I know it may seem like a ridiculous point, but out of our relationship, if he says, Brandon, I know you're convicted about, you know, having cigars or whatever. I don't know. I'm just kind of making something up. And he goes, I really want you to have one with me. What he's asking me to do is to compromise my conviction before the Lord. For the sake of tradition or friendship or whatever. But, but like in that relationship, you know, no one ever suffered from taking a higher standard. Do you know what I'm saying? So to, to choose a lower one is, in other words, when, you're, when you've got a passion in your life and you're walking out who God's called you to be and, and, and you feel this like this pressure to dim your light, do you realize what you're actually asking a person to do is compromise. Rather, I want to let your bright light, I want to let Melissa's bright light, her hunger for God, inspire me for more. So then we just keep pulling ourselves up, 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 and we help one another. All right, you get the point today. Um, would you just uh, take hands or lay a hand on a shoulder next to you? Let's do something today. I want to, you know what, I, I, feel, I feel the Lord on this. Let's, let's release a blessing on one another today. Okay? Let's just begin to release some declarations over one another today. And, and, uh, and let's say, declare, and I know, just declare it out loud, but it's over your right and your left. And just say, I bless you. Okay, ready? I bless you. To be all. That God has called you to be. I make room for your greatness. <laughs> Who you will be in three years. Is greater than who you are today. But today I celebrate you. I declare. Your gift. Makes room for you. Brings you before kings and great men. <laughs> All right, now put your hand. Let's do this. There's power in this. And let's say this. Father, thank you for who you've made me. I wouldn't want to be anybody else. Reveal to me more. Of who I am. And I thank you. That I can never lose my identity. But I just become more and more. Myself every day. As I walk with you. In Jesus name.